0: Bible reading is taken from Mark's Gospel, chapter 7, verses 14 to 30. Again Jesus called the crowd to him and said, Listen to me, everyone, and understand this. Nothing outside a person can defile them by going into them. Rather, it is what comes out of a person that defiles them. After he had left the crowd and entered the house, his disciples asked him about this parable. Are you so dull? he asked. Don't you see that nothing that enters a person from the outside can defile them? For it doesn't go into their heart, but into their stomach, and then out of the body. In saying this, Jesus declared all foods clean. He went on. Jesus left that place and went to the vicinity of Tyre. He entered a house and did not want anyone to know it, yet he could not keep his presence secret. In fact, as soon as she heard about him, a woman whose little daughter was possessed by an impure spirit came and fell at his feet. The woman was a Greek, born in Syrian Phoenicia. She begged Jesus to drive the demon out of her daughter. First, let the children eat all they want, he told her, for it is not right to take the children's bread and toss it to the dogs. Lord, she replied, even the dogs under the table eat the children's crumbs. Then he told her, for such a reply, you may go, the demon had left your daughter she went home and found her child lying on the bed and the demon gone
1: Good morning and welcome to Church at Home. My name is Simon Clegg and I'm the pastor of St Barnabas Bible Church here in Cape Town, South Africa. If you're with us for the first time, we're absolutely delighted that you've joined us and I hope by the grace of God that our Bible talk this morning will be a blessing and an encouragement to you even as you continue in fellowship with a local church. Now we're currently in a series in the Gospel of Mark and uh, every week Mark is giving us fresh insight, fresh understanding into the Christian message. And uh, if our talk this morning leaves you with questions or you'd like somebody to pray with you, can I encourage you to visit our website, www.sbbc.org.za, and please leave your contact details on the contact tab on the homepage, and someone on the team will get back in touch with you during the week. So now, as we begin, can I invite you to keep your Bible open at uh, Mark chapter 7 and verse 14? and uh, before we begin I'm going to pray and ask for God's help won't you pray with me our gracious heavenly father you have promised to be with your church watching over us protecting us providing all that we need for life and godliness we thank you that you know our past and understand it completely that you know our deeds and are able to meet them adequately that you know our destinies and are able to prepare us for them perfectly will you come to us now and speak to us by your spirit through your word that each of us might be conscious we're listening to the voice of the Lord Jesus calling us now to follow him into the future for it is in his name that we ask it Amen. Well, what's wrong with the world? Um, In this most unusual year, it's a question that many people have been asking. Uh, Is it, perhaps, inadequate healthcare? Uh, The virus has obviously exposed significant gaps in our ability to cope with a global pandemic. So, is inadequate healthcare the real problem in the world? Or is it poverty? The World Bank says that after the virus, 800 million people worldwide are going to be living on less than $2 a day. So, is poverty the real problem? Or is it perhaps hunger? Uh, Before COVID-19, I was staggered to discover that 8,000 children were dying from starvation every single day. And obviously that number is expected to increase significantly by the end of the year now these are extremely serious problems, of course they are and we haven't really started now, what about corruption? or racial discrimination? or gender-based violence? or climate change? I mean the list just goes on and on but as uh, serious as they are, these problems are really only symptoms of a far deeper problem and uh, in our passage this morning The Lord Jesus puts his finger on the real problem in the world. Mind you, it's not a message that the world wants to hear. Jesus of course isn't put off by that. He tells us what's wrong and then in his own perfect time he brings the solution. And I hope that when we're finished this morning that you'll agree with me that this is a message the whole world needs to hear but let's begin by looking at verse 14 look at verse 14 with me if you will where you'll see that Jesus calls to the crowd and then he tells them a parable that lasts for just one verse must be the shortest parable Jesus ever told I wonder what you and I would have made of it had we been there and heard him say it because at first it sounds so very strange but please stay with me here because what Jesus says is radical. If we don't get it we'll never really understand the Christian message. Because in verse 15 Jesus says nothing outside a man can make him unclean by going into him. Rather it is what comes out of a man that makes him unclean. In other words Jesus is saying don't worry about what goes into you rather worry about what comes out of you and what he means is um, if anyone listening to me is serious about God and having fellowship with God the danger is not rules it's not rules about food or anything else for that matter no, the danger is the sin of the human heart now I guess rules and particularly food rules are not an issue for most of us but as Jesus calls out to the crowd you see what he's saying is what's wrong with the world? well the problem is inside you it's not outside you now I'm sure you can see this is revolutionary thinking because our world is wedded to the idea that people are basically good we all like to say this don't we that we're basically good that person is fundamentally good they're a good person and uh, we want to say that the the problems in the world are all of them out there somewhere it's, it's those difficult people it's it's that political system it's, it's that religion uh, it's, it's a lack of education no we need more police these are the real problems but I'm basically good I'm okay you're okay all the bad things are out there now here what Jesus does is he turns all of that round and he says if you want to know the real problem in the world don't point away from yourself because I'm pointing at you notice Jesus is not pointing at himself but the crowd and even the disciples in verses 17 and 18 haven't got the first idea what he's talking about so he has to explain it now in case you weren't with us last week you need to know that the run up to this is that uh, some religious leaders have come from Jerusalem, they've been challenging Jesus and insisting that their rule about ceremonial washing before eating is critical to a person being saved you can't please God unless you do it, they say their message is that if you want to be right with God you've got to keep the rules, you've got to observe the traditions of course when we hear that, we're tempted to say well, you know, that's not our situation Uh, I don't do that. And yet I do want to remind us this morning that all of us in some way try and manage God with our own little rules and regulations. They may not be church traditions, but in our own way we think that we can manage God and keep him happy and deal with what's wrong on our own terms. So this strange behaviour is very close to home. And Jesus points out that the religious leaders are thinking like this because they've turned away from God's word and instead they've put their trust in human tradition and because they've turned from scripture to human tradition (coughs) what they've done is they've turned from truth to a lie they've turned from what is constructive and life-giving to what is actually destructive and deadly and uh, as we come to our passage this morning uh, I want us to look at it under two headings and I do hope these headings are going to help us to remember the big idea so our first heading this morning is the good news and the bad news and uh, the second heading is the bad news and the good news now if that sounds like I'm saying the same thing twice I assure you I'm not and you'll see that as we go along so firstly then the good news and the bad news. In verse 15 Jesus says food will not put you offside with God and food rules will not put you offside with God. Now notice what he's not saying Uh, Jesus is not saying all food is good for you Uh, Jesus knows and we know that some food is actually not good for us you'll be able to think of your own examples but someone might say for example that Borevoir's roles are not really good for us I couldn't possibly comment on that but food isn't really the issue Jesus is not trying to teach us that food will make or break our relationship with God he's also not saying that everything that you and I take in will be fine he's not saying that if you take in uh, lies or um, violent images or other destructive influences that they'll do you no harm whatsoever he's not saying that he's saying that food and all the rules about eating food cannot endanger your fellowship with God now this is interesting why does Jesus teach this when we know that the Old Testament had lots of rules about food And the answer is because in the Old Testament the the food laws were God's instruction to his people whilst they were living in the land of Canaan. It was a way of demonstrating that his people were distinctively different from all the surrounding nations. Uh, The word the Old Testament uses to describe their distinctiveness is the word clean. Uh, In other words, God wanted them to behave in certain ways that would show visibly and outwardly that they were different that they were his clean people living in the promised land but today of course God's people are not all living in the promised land and we're therefore no longer under the Old Testament food laws because of course those food laws have no power whatsoever to make a person really clean now in order for that to happen we had to wait for the Lord Jesus to come because only Jesus can make a person inwardly and truly clean and that's why as you'll notice in chapter 7 and verse 19 Jesus cancels all of the Old Testament food laws because Jesus has come the way that a person is made clean and distinctive today is by the work that Jesus does inside us and not by observing a set of rules So the Old Testament laws about clean and unclean food were powerful signs for differentiating the people of God from everybody else at that time. But you see, they had no power to change the human heart. And you can see Jesus makes that clear, doesn't he, when he says when it comes to fellowship with God, I want you to forget about food. And he might also have said, I want you to forget about food rules and regulations and church traditions because these things will never make or break your fellowship with God these things are purely external but what will make or break your fellowship with God says Jesus is what's in your heart and what will make your fellowship with God will be a new heart so the good news and I think it is good news is that we don't need to concern ourselves any longer with all these rules and regulations about food or particular religious traditions because they're of no significance in making or breaking our fellowship with God. But the bad news in verses 20 and 21 is that the human heart, meaning my heart and your heart, is a factory of sin it just goes on and on producing selfishness and sin it's rather like a jungle or a swamp where there are large numbers of dangerous creatures and that's why Jesus says in chapter 7 and verse 20 what comes out of a man is what makes him unclean it's from within, it's from a person's heart and that's where evil thoughts and evil behaviour come from and you'll notice Jesus goes on to give 12 examples sexual immorality, theft murder, adultery, greed malice, deceit, lewdness envy, slander, arrogance and folly. All these evils come from inside and make a person unclean. Now, (coughs) What does Jesus actually mean when he talks about the heart? Well I hope you know that he's not talking about the muscle in your body that pumps blood around. He's talking about the fallen nature we all have inside us. In other words it's the part of us that thinks and plans and plots and decides and acts. It's actually what motivates us and that's what Jesus means here when he talks about the heart. And Jesus does not mean that our heart or nature is as bad and as terrible as it could be. I'm sure there's no one listening this morning whose heart is as black as it could be. But I'm also sure that there's no one listening this morning including me, whose heart is as pure as it should be. Everyone listening or watching this morning has been made in the image of God and God has given us particular faculties to enable us to think rightly. But friends, what we have to understand is that no part of our mind, no part of our will, no part of our conscience is uncontaminated. It's all affected, it's all polluted, it's all poisoned, it's all defiled. The poison has gone everywhere. And of course that is revolutionary thinking, isn't it? Because It reverses the idea that we're profoundly good and that all the problems of the world are outside there somewhere. And it helps us, of course, doesn't it, to see ourselves as we really are. It actually makes us into realists and it also helps us to appreciate our Saviour. Now the other revolutionary aspect of Jesus' teaching here is that you and I cannot clean ourselves up you know we can't get into our heart and somehow improve it so if we say this week I'm not going to tell a lie and not even a white lie or a grey lie I'm going to be ruthlessly honest all week or uh, I'm going to be completely selfless all week well you and I know that is just not going to happen the nature inside of us is just going to go on producing sinfulness. So we can't clean ourselves up you can't clean yourself up I can't clean myself up and if we think we can improve ourselves well friends we'll never really understand what Jesus is saying here and actually we'll never understand what Jesus was doing uh, when he came and died on the cross now friends can I ask you surely this explains doesn't it the world that we're living in when for example we watch the political world and we watch the people who put themselves forward for leadership in various countries does it actually shock you that one of those candidates is discovered to be dishonest? does it shock you that someone will be discovered to be basically offensive and aggressive? does it really shock us that a politician would steal from the public purse and show no shame whatsoever and actually carry on doing it. Now doesn't what Jesus say here explain the news that you and I read every day? And do we honestly think that with a little more education and a few extra policemen that people are suddenly going to become law-abiding and cooperative? No. You know perfectly well that more education is not going to make a person new it's not going to change the human heart it's not going to make a person unselfish and in case you and I look at this list and think well none of this applies to me well is that really the case is there anyone listening this morning who can honestly say well I've had no evil thoughts, I'm not deceitful I'm not envious and I'm not arrogant to say nothing of course of the more blatant sins that Jesus mentions here such as sexual immorality or murder. No the truth friends is that our hearts are very murky indeed and every now and again we realise just how murky they are and that has two positive effects because as I said a moment ago it makes us realistic about ourselves and it makes us extremely appreciative of the Lord Jesus our Saviour So we have to take this teaching extremely seriously. It's not here to make us negative or pessimistic or gloomy or depressed. It's to make us realistic, informed and liberated. Now one of the uh, really important applications arising from this is for parents dealing with their children. So uh, Bishop J.C. Ryle I think puts it extremely well. He says this, quote... We ought to remember this in the training and education of children. In all our management, we must never forget that the seeds of all mischief and wickedness are in their hearts. It's not enough to keep boys and girls at home and shut out every outward temptation. They carry within them a heart ready for any sin, and until that heart is changed, they are not safe, whatever we do. When children do wrong it is a common practice to lay all the blame on bad companions but that is mere ignorance, blindness and foolishness bad companions are a great evil no doubt and an evil to be avoided as much as possible but no bad companion teaches a boy or girl half as much sin as their own hearts will suggest to them unless they are renewed by the spirit the beginning of all wickedness is within If parents were half as diligent in praying for their children's conversion as they are in keeping them from bad company their children would turn out far better than they do. Now that's absolutely right, isn't it? I'm sure we would all agree with that. And perhaps this is a good moment to mention our parenting course starting on Monday night Getting to the Heart of Parenting and if you want more information please do visit our website. So we face the good news (coughs) which is that traditions and rules and regulations are not going to make or break our relationship with God and that is a huge relief and we face the bad news and it is bad news that the thing that makes you and me unclean is actually inside us it's a corrupt nature and we need to face that and remember that it is utterly beyond any of us to fix it so that's the good and the bad and now we need secondly to turn our attention to the bad news and the good news because you see it's very easy isn't it to listen to a bible talk like this and to feel you know, quite good afterwards and to feel we've learned something and uh, even to feel that it's done us some good in a vague sort of a way but then to carry on with our lives just as they were before and I say that because You know, it is no good hearing the message this morning and saying to ourselves, well, I'll just keep going as I am. The Pharisees, you see, assumed that a little bit of ceremonial washing of the hands was enough to keep God happy. But they were profoundly mistaken. So what I'm about to say is the most important and significant thing for us this morning. If you only take away one thing from this talk, let it be this that if you think the problems of the world are fairly shallow you will look for a shallow solution but if you think the problems of the world are as deep as the human heart you won't actually settle for a solution unless that solution can change the heart and the only thing that can do that is the gospel of Jesus Christ now that's why we need to pray for our children why we need to pray for our friends it's why we need people to come and hear the good news of Jesus now you see in our passage the Pharisees saw the problem as being very shallow so their message was wash your hands shallow problem shallow solution and that's the way that most people think today so for example they have a baby and they think uh, simple problem just get the baby baptised simple problem just uh, have some kind of link with the church Uh, go at Christmas, go at Easter or get the kids into Sunday school, that'll do the trick or maybe I will actually join the church Uh, maybe I'll take communion once a month and uh, perhaps I'll turn over a new leaf and become a new person but you see friends, all of that is extremely shallow because the problem is the corruption of our nature and the only person who can solve that, solve that problem is the Lord Jesus and the way that he does that is by coming and dying to pay for that long list of sins we've just looked at and then actually giving us new life by the Holy Spirit in the heart so that when we actually become Christians what happens is we find ourselves with two natures there's an old nature and there's also a new nature and as every Christian knows those two natures struggle with each other throughout our earthly lives but praise God there will come a day when the old will be completely and finally eradicated and the new will be totally transformed and by grace will be ready for glory so friends don't fall for a shallow solution because the problem of the human heart is an extremely profound problem and it demands a profound solution now that's why we have the little incident at the end of our passage in verses 24 to 30 it's not actually an accident that this comes immediately after the teaching about the human heart so think about it, here is this woman Uh, she's not a Jewish leader, she's not a Pharisee She is a Gentile but friends listen to this, she knows that her daughter has a problem that is so profound that absolutely nobody can do anything for her except Jesus and that's why she goes to Jesus. She's absolutely determined her daughter is possessed so this isn't a small problem and she's got no time at all for shallow solutions so she goes to Jesus and she begs now I'm sure you noticed in the reading that the response Jesus gives is really rather tough Uh, what he basically says is shouldn't the chosen people uh, the people of Israel be my priority shouldn't they get the bread aren't you one of those Gentiles one of those people that the, the Jews call dogs now why on earth does Jesus talk like that it sounds so heartless doesn't it but um, whatever else Jesus meant by it God's plan always was for salvation to come first to Israel and only later to the nations but you see this Gentile woman is coming now but she's coming with complete belief and absolute certainty that only Jesus Christ has the solution she needs it's very interesting This is the only occasion in Mark's Gospel where Jesus is addressed as Lord. And it's on the lips of this believing Gentile woman. So just notice the big picture. She asks for what she wants and she gets what she wants and when she goes home her daughter has been delivered. So this woman with absolutely no religious training Knows that her problem is deep and she goes to the only person who can sort it out, namely Jesus. And therefore, in terms of spiritual wisdom and reality, she's leaving the Pharisees and the religious experts in the dust. And the phrase that the woman uses, notice this, where she says, Even the dogs get the crumbs under the table, that phrase was included by Archbishop Cranmer in the Book of Common Prayer. So that whenever Uh, people come to the Lord's table they echo what this woman said to Jesus for hundreds of years Christians coming to the Lord's table have said we do not deserve to gather up the crumbs under your table but you are the same God whose nature is always to have mercy. Isn't it interesting that for generations this Gentile woman has been helping Christians to approach the Lord's table uh, in humility and with absolute faith in the goodness and kindness of God now again you might say well look this episode with the woman and the possessed daughter is miles away from me but are you sure about that because the Bible tells us that every single person is spiritually dead until the Lord Jesus gives them life And the Bible tells us that Jesus loves people so much that he would lay down his life on the cross in order that a person might be forgiven and be made completely new when they put their faith in him. So I hope that God will give to you and to all of us this morning the humility and the wisdom to see that the problem of the human race, the real problem in the world is the human heart and the solution that we all need is in the heart of the Lord Jesus many years ago uh, a pastor was making a phone call home to his wife and uh, in those days uh, there were phone boxes and it was in the days when a telephone operator would have to make the connection for you and uh, the pastor said to the female telephone operator please would you put me through two and then he gave her his wife's phone number and while he was waiting for the connection uh, the pastor began to recite the words of a hymn and uh, he just muttered really uh, my knowledge of my life is small the eye of faith is dim but it's enough that Christ knows all and I shall live for him nothing very special really Uh, just a little verse recited while he was waiting but to his astonishment the female operator suddenly spoke to him in a very sad voice she said could you say that again please so he did say it again my knowledge of my life is small the eye of faith is dim but it's enough that Christ knows all and I shall live with him and she said thank you thank you I really needed to hear that because you see the deep need in her heart needed the deep answer that's only found in Jesus and you can measure how well you have grasped the sin in your own heart by your gratitude and appreciation for Jesus and you will also realise the grace of the Lord Jesus by acknowledging the sin that he looked at but came to die for anyway well let's pray together Gracious God, we do thank you that though our hearts are full of corruption you looked at us with great mercy and grace and sent your Son with a completely pure heart to take our place and bring forgiveness and transformation. And we ask that these two great realities our need and your mercy would be driven home so we might praise you as you deserve and serve you all our days Amen